Welcome to Conversations with Healers, a podcast and video interview series that features intimate, soulful, and cozy conversations with self-healers and healers. Healer to healer, we dive into all aspects of self-healing and healing and being and becoming a healer. I am Damla Aktekin. I am a healer and the host of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. If you are new to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be aware of new episodes. I also invite you to visit adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com, where I share a lot of free resources for self-healing and healing, and you can take a free quiz to find out what your energetic wounds are and how they may show up in your life. Discovering what your wounds are is the first step in healing them. I hope you enjoy this episode. There is one more thing I would like to share with you before you listen to this episode. I created a wonderful container to help you heal your energetic wounds and activate the infinite light and potential of your inner children. It is a crystal energy healing membership called Chakra Bliss Vault. Every month you will receive three new crystal healing sessions. Plus, you'll immediately have access to my entire energy healing recording library when you sign up. The membership is really affordable and will continue to be so. You can find out more about it at adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com. I invite you to make healing your energetic wounds and connecting with your inner children a priority and invest in your well-being by becoming a Chakra Bliss Vault member. Hello everyone, this is Damla Aktekin with A Drop of Om and I have today with me Lauren uh, and I'm excited to dive into your very colorful areas of expertise, Lauren. Lauren is a yoga teacher, spiritual life coach, intuitive mother, founder of the True Love Yoga Studio, a beautiful name, uh, and the author of the Embody Your Inner Goddess, uh, a guided path to radical wholeness book. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much, Damla. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. Great to have you. So uh, let's start with, um, I'd love to get an overview of whatever is coming right now, Mm -hmm. of your story of coming to doing uh, what you're doing and the different stages of that. Um, So how you came to be doing what you do now. Yeah, thank you so much for asking. I think it was born out of Uh, a dark place I think like it is for many healers and this desire to um, figure out who I am and what I believe and and to connect with something greater than myself so I am from the Midwest in the United States and 
it's very conservative it's very um christian for sure and so i was raised in a, a very like specific setting where i was taught that there was this this way that the world is this way that god is there these are the rules to follow this is how you're happy these are your coping mechanisms um and so i followed that and believed it for a long time and as i got older i started opening my mind a bit more i've always been a big reader so that helped me from from childhood really putting myself in other people's shoes and and feeling into other cultures and stories um in my childhood i was also just really trying hard to be a good girl to follow everything i was supposed to follow and i think under the weight of the pressure to be so good academically um you know to try to impress boys maybe in church um and i think with the barrage of social and religious and cultural and media messages i was kind of programmed with as a kid i ended up just kind of crashing and burning i couldn't really like hold the weight of that anymore and in my later teen years i developed an eating disorder of anorexia and that's kind of where this journey begins for me i think so uh in the eating disorder it gave me the opportunity to heal so it was my first exposure to therapy and my first uh, exposure to yoga was while I was in the hospital being treated for for anorexia and it was uh, a difficult or it was a container for difficult conversations I needed to have with my parents about like my religious beliefs and uh, and my worldviews and things like that which had changed quite a bit um so I wish I could say that I healed right away, but it took a good like 10 years of trial and, and failure <laughs> and trial again. Uh, in that 10 years, yoga was a big constant for me. It was uh, not something I had a lot of access to in the early days, but I did what I could with like videos and, and DVDs and things like that. Um, I fell upon a Reiki training in my mid twenties and felt kind of mysteriously drawn to it. I didn't know quite what it was and hadn't really heard of like the energetic systems involved in it, but I listened to my inner voice and did the training. And that's where I was introduced to like the chakra system, which is such a big part of uh, my work now. Um, and then several years later on this healing journey, um, I was able to practice yoga very regularly, and I think that's been like the biggest catalyst for my healing and also for my for my dharma or my soul's purpose. Um, I eventually became a yoga teacher in my late 20s, and then everything's kind of blossomed from there. So that's a really like short origin story, I think. Um, I left out a lot of like embarrassing moments and <laughs> and a lot of like debt accumulated from trying different types of school and just not being able to like hone in on what I was supposed to be doing and um but once I really like listened to my inner voice got into the energy and got into yoga things started to click into place for me in a bit not that like everything's perfect all the time necessarily but I just feel a lot more centered and grounded um and 
of service to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess what I want to ask is, what's your relationship to yoga right now? And the reason that I ask is yoga was my first stop in my healing journey too. <laughs> because I was living in what you, it, a version of what you describe. I was living in my head um, in a mind-based world. I, I got my engineering degree, my MBA, went into corporate job. And with yoga, I realized that I had a body. And then for me, um, with motherhood, I realized that I was more than my body and got into the <laughs> healing, healing arts of vibration and crystals and whatnot. Um, I guess I, w- I want to hear your relationship to yoga now before I, I tell you mine. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really intrigued to hear <laughs> yours. Um, yoga still provides a cornerstone and a rhythm in my life, a routine. Um, but beyond that, uh, an ethical ethical path, um, a, a philosophy to follow. And it certainly evolved quite a bit through the years. At first, I could tell there was something special beyond the physical in yoga, although uh, the physical was appealing to me. I was a dancer growing up, so it was a really great way for me to reconnect to my body. But I also noticed like my nervous system healing, and I felt more calm, and I felt less prone to depression and anxiety. Um, I would say that I guess the depth of my knowledge has changed a lot since that like initial kind of awakening to yoga and that I still practice asanas and pranayama and I have a yoga studio and and teach teachers yoga Um, but I definitely see it as like an all-encompassing lifestyle more so than like something that you do for an hour a few times a week if that makes sense Mm -hmm. uh Okay, I'm a little bit more far off. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I used to imagine, um, because for me, what happened is uh, in 2012, I gave birth. And at that time, I was a yoga teacher. I was a yoga studio manager. And I was doing all these fabulous things with yoga. And in my mind, I was going to give birth naturally. And then like 10 days later, I would be back at the studio, <laughs> which never happened. Um, I had an emergency C-section and, um, at that time, like yoga didn't work for me. Like my body felt so strange and different. I had to find other ways to connect with myself. And, um, and that's when I leaned towards the, my first stop was mantra practice because that was something I could do while nursing my child. And then I went into crystals and so on. I used to tell people like yoga and I had an amicable breakup. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with yoga. Um, there's I like I don't have any bad feelings towards towards it. But at the same time, it was very clear to me that that was a stop on my journey and not a destination. And now, now like my daughter and I started to take uh, she's eleven. So we started to take yoga classes at a local studio uh, once a week on Sundays. And I go and my practice is completely different. 
like I, I skip like 99% of the chaturanga I don't <laughs> <laughs> like I don't always and I tell people it's like I tell teach I'm very respectful of the teachers but I'm also like I'm not gonna do anything my body doesn't want to do um and I still you know I I, I feel when when you said like it's a part of life I do you know have my favorite stretches that I go to or favorite poses but it's morphed from oh my god I have to do this every day to it's you know it's available to me but it's not the only thing that's available yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and and thank you for sharing that I would say like my relationship to the asana practice has changed a lot over the years um you know when I first started getting into yoga it was definitely for like the mental health benefits but I started getting stronger. I started gaining like my mobility back. So the, I don't know, the acrobatic <laughs> part of the practice did become appealing. And, you know, the training that I went to, they were really heavy on like hands-on assists and doing things specific ways. Um, but as I've met more clients and my, my mind has opened up, my method of teaching and practicing has changed a lot over the years. Um, I was invited to assist yoga teacher training uh, in Costa Rica in 2014, so the year after I graduated, and my job was like two hours every morning to be doing hands-on assists on people. One of the students ended up uh, about halfway through the training letting us know how harmful it was for her because she had horrible complex childhood trauma. And every time she was touched, it was sending her into like a, a trauma response. Um, and that really opened my eyes. I think in like in yoga in the U.S., there's just been a way that things have been done for a long time. And after that experience, I was like, I need to learn more about this and figure out not how to not harm people and learn about like my own trauma and how to like work through that on and off the mat. Um, so I've become trauma-informed in that time, and so my teaching methodology, methodology has changed a lot in that, like, if you were in my class, I would not say or do anything. I'd be, like, I'd be so happy that you were honoring your body and having your own experience, and in practice, I've gotten to do that, too. Like, um, I became pregnant during the pandemic, and my body changed, and I gave birth, and, you know, I I was practicing at home and stuff, but I couldn't go to prenatal yoga or, you know, I wasn't like in classrooms. It just wasn't possible. Um, and I had to like really honor where my body was for a long time and honor that like, I don't have an hour to practice. Even now my daughter's almost three. I practice like 30 minutes, four times a week. And to me, like that is good enough. Um, beyond that, like I need other forms of movement. I love to strength train. I love to take walks. Um, and, you know, I love other forms of, of connecting spiritually, but I think the yoga will probably always be like a cornerstone for me just because it is all encompassing with body and mind and spirit. Um, but it's going to look different, I think, in different phases of my life, because as humans, we change. It's just, that's who we are. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to put it. It's going to look different in different phases of our lives and that's okay. And that's, it's a it's a wonderful thing actually um what that reminds me of is and I think there's a piece of what we're talking about which 
you're touching upon on your in your book. Uh, by the way, I love your book. Um, for our listeners, it's called Embody Your Inner Goddess, but it has a lot of chakra philosophy and touchstones in it. And then you have different affirmations that you uh, color with personal stories, which was wonderful to read. Um, and one of the things you mentioned there is uh, perfection. And so as, as we started to go to the yoga classes with my daughter, uh, I gave her a few pointers in terms of safety, like keep your knee this way. And this is the foot position. But other than that, I try not to touch her or, or you know, say much. But even so, as we're going through the class, occasionally she would look at me and she goes, mom, am I doing it right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's pretty tight in her hamstrings. And then she tries to go, you know, fold herself in two and she doesn't go all the way. And I'm just, I just go like, do however much you, you can, you don't have to force it. But I keep checking in with her in terms of how we both feel before and after. And she does notice a difference in the aftermath of that. And I think that's where um, the magic of yoga comes in, no matter what you, you do in your class. <laughs> Even if you do something completely different than the teacher, like I mostly do, you end up getting there, whatever there is, um, which is a beautiful thing. So can you tell us about your book? How did that come about? Um what were you hoping to achieve with it and uh, why is it special? Yeah, well, you described it so beautifully. Thank you for that. It is, I'd say, a spiritual book and it might fall under the self-help category, but I don't really consider it that necessarily. I think it's more of like self-acceptance and self-love more than a self-improvement book. Um, I've wanted to write a book for a long time. It's been on my like bucket list of things to do, as I think it is for a lot of people. And I've had different ideas through the years, but I was just out on a walk with my daughter one day pushing the stroller and I received this like full download and, and not the book word for word or anything like that, but the structure of it and the, the thesis uh, and, you know, moving through the chakra system and kind of structuring it more like a course than like a book that you just sit down and, and read at your own leisure. Um, and I felt really excited about the idea and it was definitely not a perfect time <laughs> to, to do this project or maybe it was like in a divine way, but in a human way, it didn't feel like it because my daughter was one. I was trying to pull my business back from the pandemic. Um, my husband had just had like a knee replacement surgery. Like there were just so many other things I had going on and I'm like, okay, spirit, now you're asking me to write this book. <laughs> I think I'm up for the challenge. So I, yeah, I wrote this book over a few month period, mostly with my daughter in my arms nursing. I wrote a lot of it on my phone actually, just so I could accommodate that because as you know, as a mom, like sometimes that's the only uh, especially when they're little, that's the only time that you really have to yourself is when they're sleeping. And uh, in the last several years, I mean, especially, you know, I talk about my relationship strengthening with yoga, but what that also meant for me in expanding into like energy work and into yoga was this um, knowledge and exposure to other religions and cultures that 
that have goddess worship. And that was so new to me. Uh, of course, I had heard that existed before and, and maybe seen images and things like that, but uh, maybe like Greek mythology. But when I first started working with the goddesses, particularly like the Hindu ones because of my my yoga practice, um, it was really the first time I had seen like myself, like my physicality in the divine and the divine in me in that way. And I was also, I think as like a feminist, just in love with the different aspects of all these goddesses. They're not like these demure creatures, like they are ferocious and they are muses and warriors and they're embodiment of abundance and uh, mothers. And, you know, they embody all of these very, um, like the multifaceted breadth of what it is to be feminine, to be a woman. So I felt really inspired by that and felt like I got to know myself better by working with these goddesses and really like drawing on these different qualities. For instance, working with Kali um, was very uncomfortable for me at first. I think it is for a lot of people. It's like anything that feels like destruction and anger uh, feels like a lot. It feels uncomfortable for many of us. My father was, uh, he is a man who loves me very much. As a kid, he was very quick to anger too, uh, in a loud and kind of scary way. And I pushed that part of myself down for a long time because I did not want to cause the harm he caused. I think subconsciously, but like being able to get in touch with my anger became such a big part of my healing and doing it like in a righteous way. Um, I feel like I'm really going down a whole other road right now. To. <laughs> um, but that much to say is like, in the meantime, I've been working with these different energies and like, what, what does divine feminine or sacred feminine even mean, especially within uh, a culture and really a world that's very male dominated, that's very masculine dominated, where most of the world religions are focused on like a central male figure. Um, but I found, yes, working with this feminine energy so healing for me. So in this book, I'm not drawing on any of these goddesses necessarily. What I'm doing is calling on my own inner goddess and having the reader do the same thing. So we all have a soul. We all have the highest self. And the inner goddess is the feminine aspect of our highest self. Uh, I do readings too, where I see the inner goddess of people and uh, it's very beautiful. They're all really different from each other and they all embody different qualities. So in this journey of the book, we start at the root chakra and I encourage people to go through it day by day instead of reading it once, although you can do it however you'd like. And in this seven week process, one week in each chakra, we go through these affirmations, which essentially are different aspects of the chakra and draw out these different qualities within us and draw out the inner goddess. So like taking her from the inside and bringing her to the outside. So it's quite a journey. It covers uh, an expanse of many different topics and they're kind of micro lessons. They're meant to be uh, easily digestible, like in a day's time. Um, for me, that was important because as a mom, I have you know, a limited amount of time to do my practices and to connect. And I know a lot of people are really busy. 
but if they can set aside 20 minutes a day to read, to journal on the reflection questions, and then to do whatever embodiment practice is assigned that day, I think over time they will see a huge shift uh, toward self-love, toward wholeness, toward maybe accepting things and loving things about themselves that they haven't typically liked before. At least that's been the journey for me. Mm -hmm. You have a story in the first chakra, which sort of stood out to me. You're talking about self-regulation. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, um, where you were led to assess your normal and you 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 realize that your normal is not necessarily quote unquote nor normal. Can you can you tell that story and what you've discovered about self-regulation since then? Sure. Yeah, I tapped into it very lightly um, when I was talking about trauma-informed yoga because it has been an, a big area of interest of me, uh, for me. But yes, I, I moved back home to Kansas City after living in different places, trying different schooling, etc. Um, and this is where I really started to take my healing a lot more seriously. This is when I started my regular yoga practice and my parents offered to pay for this therapy um, called neurotherapy. I want to say there's another name it goes by as well. Um, but in this therapy, you get your brain hooked up to all these electrodes and it measures your brain waves. Somehow you look at a screen and it's almost like a game, but you don't have a lot of conscious control over the game. But over like 30 sessions or so, it starts to regulate the brain waves. Um, so this first time I get hooked up, my nurse, Laura, asked me uh, how I was feeling. And I said, well, kind of normal. And she was looking at my brain waves and she's like, you're in fight or flight right now. Like my sympathetic nervous system was turned on. And it just blew my mind completely because that was like my baseline at the time. And sadly, I do think it's normal. In a way, we have a society that really is like stressed out, <laughs> um, whether it's from past trauma or just from, you know, the stresses of, of everyday life um, and the disconnection that we have to earth and to spirit. So uh, that was one of the tools that helped me a lot because it did give me um, what I needed to kind of get my brain back into a healthy space. And then I also had yoga, which um, which also, I think even if you're not trauma-informed, it can still help uh, heal trauma and heal chronic stress and anxiety because it connects you uh, into your body. It connects your mind and your body. Um, so yeah, thank you for for reading that and and for bringing that up because that was a really important part of my journey. Um, I will go into it a little bit. There are of course more complex systems than what I'm going to describe, but I, I will describe it in really simple terms of the trauma response. So for me, trauma is like any undigested experience. So it can be small and it can be big. And some things that traumatize some people aren't going to traumatize others. Um, I'm a really sensitive person. So I think that in my life, I've been probably affected more than someone who is just naturally a little less sensitive, a little more resilient. Um, but an event happens and your body will respond with fighting. So let's say uh, it's a bear. You'll fight the bear or flight. Maybe you run from the bear freeze, you play dead. And 
fawn is another one which is a little bit different state but it's generally categorized with these and this is like befriend befriending the bear um, which i think a lot of us who are, are healers and sensitive are are really uh probably whether or not we're conscious of it very familiar with this one because we might be people pleasers uh we might you know try to keep the peace in a way um, which is what a fawn response would do um and these we can be triggered in this way um especially if we have trauma living in the body um, with seemingly like innocuous events so it might be like a text message from a friend or my dad my dad does this thing um you know he's in the generation that's probably not so great at texting so he'll just say call me and every time he does that my nervous system just goes into like an extreme state of like oh my god what's happening why does he want me to call him <laughs> um I know I talked a bit about him earlier like um our relationship's different now and he's not someone who blows up all the time or anything like that but um yeah it's just funny that we can live with all of this energy in our body and we truly need practices to be able to express it to like digest the energy um and then practices to heal the nervous system too and i, I think like i think almost everybody needs it to be honest yeah uh thank you for giving that mini snapshot um what strikes me most in this story of yours, which I think is very, very potent for anyone listening, is that um, you don't even realize that you go there. You don't like that heightened response in your body becomes so normal when you're traumatized that that's your normal. Like you said, you're like, yeah, I feel normal. <laughs> Meanwhile, your body is like, oh, my God, <laughs> like what's going on? Um, so that's a great reminder to stop and just check in and also stop and say, I've been dealing with this myself for so long. I'm ready, willing and able to get help. And the help could be talking to a friend you trust. Help could be going to a yoga studio. Help could be working with a healer like me. Um, but that help is crucial in the parts that you don't see that you're in that heightened response. Like a healer like you and me, we can pick it up right away. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like there's a lot happening here in the system. Which the self-regulation part to me is also important. Self-regulation begins with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Are you even aware that you're going into that? Like um, for me, what I'm noticing as the news and the, the craziness in the world heightens, I find myself going into a little bit of a frozen place. Mm -hmm. Like I'm functional but there's like this low buzz of some sort. And when I realize that I'm like, okay, like, let's just go outside. Let me connect with that friend. Let me see what else I can add to my self-regulation, self-care um, practices. Um, so, and that becomes its own, like, just like yoga, you got to find the containers that fit you. <laughs> rather than you trying to fit into a container that doesn't feel right you you gotta try a lot of things to find 
and then that changes and then you got to try a few other things um about the third chakra one of your affirmations is i am not sorry can you talk about that yes uh for a long time, I was a chronic apologizer. It was, I think, part of that fawn response, uh, you know, just taking the blame for things. And it became something I said, I'm sorry, all the time. Like, I don't know how many times a day I was saying it, but I was not even conscious of it. It was like I would bump into a table and say, I'm sorry <laughs> to the table or uh, you know, just any situation, I would apologize. And um, I've had, I've been married for 11 years now. And uh, it's been a great learning tool for me. And my husband is, has been good at holding me accountable in certain ways. And that was something he, he gently asked me about, like, have you noticed that you say this all the time? And like, most of the time, it's really not necessary. I felt really called out <laughs> at the moment. But then I started, uh, the awareness piece happened, right? I started noticing every time I was saying it and I felt so sad for myself in a way that I felt the need to do that. And I think that, especially like as women and femmes, a lot of times we're expected to like keep the peace, to stay calm and to maybe like even lower ourselves in a way or be submissive. Uh, it, it even happens like, I forget like the studies around it, but like a, a if a woman is walking down the street and there's like a larger man in front of her, almost always the woman will move out of the way so the man can like keep his straight traje trajectory. And I know women have become aware of that and some have been challenging that like in the recent years, but that's one example of just like unconsciously submitting um, because that's what we've been taught, I think, by our families and our culture. So for me, noticing that and then changing it has been really powerful. So a lot of times when I want to say I'm sorry, and, and it's been a few years now, so it, it doesn't happen as much, but I'll say thank you instead. Or like, excuse me, if that's warranted or nothing at all. Um, however, if an apology is warranted, of course, we need to apology, apologize and say I'm sorry. I just feel that there are a lot of of women out there especially who who overuse it quite a bit is that something that you had that you identified with in any way uh not personally <laughs> i'm more the uh i get i get more rebellious my anger is more out there probably <laughs> than, than is necessary my work is is a different kind of embodying that my work is um let's say if I got like fiery about something, um, I turn back, I turn to the side to my daughter and say like, this isn't about you. Like I need to, I need to, you know, walk through this. This has nothing to do with you. I love you. So that's, um, and probably more like your dad. <laughs> that makes sense. But it stood out to me because um, I am not sorry is a strong statement. It's a strong statement of saying, uh, yes, I accept responsibility for my part, uh, but I'm not willing to take on anything that's not my responsibility in the world. Mm. Um, the people pleasing part I am working with that I have 
quite a few and I didn't um realize that I, that I had it to such a degree um like there were some recent things and I was oh like that's how I'm accommodating people and that's how I'm saying yes when I mean no and mm -hmm. so that has been quite a um self-awakening process uh which brings me to I think my favorite mantra in your book is the one with the seventh chakra uh I revel in space um and you say giving yourself enough grace and space to connect with source so how how did you come to that and what does that mean for you mm. you know it's something that I feel like a lot of us don't have you know in modern life or when we do have this space we might distract ourselves right people don't want to sit with their own minds <laughs> a lot of times it's kind of, they can be scary places uh, to dwell um but that is where we need to go for this connection uh for me i relate it to the yogic practice of pratyahara which is sense withdrawal which is like going inward it's it's the step before like concentration and then meditation um, but I think back, I think I'd say this in the chapter, I think back to my childhood and like being alone in my room and doing nothing. And I think a lot of children aren't really afforded that anymore because there's always the phone to look at or, you know, there's always something to do or to distract oneself. Um, I'm trying to think of the quote. There's one by Franz Kafka where he talks about like, you don't have to do anything. You just sit still and listen and that the world will roll at your feet. And to me, that speaks to like the creative process. So like I said, when this book idea came to me, I was on a walk outside with my daughter. I wasn't like sitting down trying to think of book ideas. Um, I had enough spaciousness in my mind to receive the download and I think that you know it sounds easy enough but it certainly takes a lot of time to to get to that spaciousness and like you're saying there's a different container for each person so we're gonna all get there a different way so yeah it might be like formal meditation practice it might be a warm shower <laughs> it might be uh, a walk in nature it might be sitting quietly with a friend. Um, it might be like listening to a song and only listening to a song, not doing other things. So I think there are different ways to get there. I think when people are speaking of like mindfulness, it sort of speaks to that, that mental state. But I do find once the mind chatter kind of settles and you're in the spaciousness, um, that's where you can make this divine connection to like realize who you truly are, which is the observer of all this stuff around us. Not truly, uh, it's it's that which never dies. It's that which never changes. And that sounds like a lot, I think, but I think that it many people have had this experience through the ages and that's what's been passed down through the wisdom. And there's a reason that contemplative practices and meditation are so important in so many different cultures is because we have to have the space to realize who we are, to connect. It's not going to happen with the to-do list in the head and with the anxiety and with the distraction. 
that has to happen in the quiet moments. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of space as a basic need. And having space could mean the just like you're describing the physical space. It could mean just creating some, some space in your shelves, as I just did mm. last week. Or it could be mind space or saying like Thursdays, I don't have any appointments or something like that. That's so important. And I love that you highlighted that in your book, because there's something about like I revel in space but there's also a revealing process that's happening when you give yourself that or when you are you are able to give yourself that space. Um, something reveals itself to you in you, and just like you were mentioning in the walk or wherever, something that wants to come into you can come into you and fill that space. Um, and I I love mantras I love affirmations (laughs) and I I know that that's something you've touched upon in your in your different sections too um do you find that um like do certain affirmations come to you or mantras more than others or do you find um not finding comfort in certain ones at times I'm not sure if I'm asking the question right, but I, I I think I understand. I think for me, um, I use what I need in the moment, right. And just let them come more naturally. Uh, So if I notice like a negative thought pattern or something like that, I'm able to draw upon whatever the opposite is, but it's not just about like saying whatever the opposite of the negative thing is. It's like kind of holding that thought and compassion first and zooming out a bit where I'm like, where did this thought even come from? Why, why am I thinking this right now? And then I'm able to turn it around a little bit more. Um, so I think it depends. And I, I, and then I love the, the ancient mantras as well. Like Om is one that I think always is and always will be soothing to me probably. Um, it soothes the nervous system by its nature. Um, but yeah, if I'm having a day where I'm picking at my body or something like that, I have to sit back and be like, well, where is this coming from? Like, is this really the problem? And then what can I do to turn that around? I, I love affirmations too. I, I hated them. <laughs> I truly hated them. Um, back when I was a teenager, I was introduced to them uh, in the hospital and I just felt like I was looking at myself in the mirror and like lying to myself or like trying to gaslight myself into, into believing them. Um, so I think that like pulling back and, and holding oneself in compassion is a really important step before like just saying the opposite thing. Um, that way it doesn't feel as much like a lie or you can use little like bridge mantras. Like um, I love this. I think I got this from Gabby Bernstein, but if the mantra isn't quite working, she'll say, I am willing to, and then the mantra. So let's say it's like the first day it's, I love my body, which is really hard. I think for a lot of women to say, you could say, I'm willing to love my body. So you're in that kind of in-between step and you're kind of showing the universe or source that you're open to it and yourself. Yeah. I think my my first instruction to mantras is with um 
with my yoga teacher training, of course, and then I dove really deep into them. I ended up creating like a 40 days of uh, Shanti mantra journal, and um, I gave some classes around them. But I think it's it's my approach to them now is similar to my approach to yoga, which is close to what you're describing, which is um, there are a few ones that feel good. One of them is um, whatever is, is enough in this moment. Whatever is, is enough. Um, I go back often to infinitely grateful, especially right before sleep. I love just, I love just feeling that in my body. Um, but outside of that, like my system no longer is able to or is willing to take anything forced into her, mm-hmm. um, even if it's through my mind. <laughs> like I'm not finding the need to go out and look for things that would improve me mm-hmm. versus my practice right now is more, okay, this feels good. And I'm open to you know reading, getting inspired for things that feel better. And, and things fit, that feel uh, in that range of good to better. Um, but I'm not in a continually, let me improve my, let me look mm. into the mirror and do this or say this kind of place, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I absolutely identify with that. And I think it just speaks to where you are, like, you know, in your life right now and and me too. And sometimes if I'm going through a difficult time, I'm so glad that I have those, those practices to, to hold on to. And, um, I designed this book too. Like it could be for somebody who is new to spirituality or, or new to yoga, but it also could be for somebody who's been on the journey for a while that just needs that extra, um, like a, like a container (laughs) to be within for a while to reconnect with themselves, you know? Um, so I, I, for sure identify with what you're saying. I'm I'm not, I think that sadhana or the spiritual practice is always going to change, just like we were talking about with yoga. And we it's a good thing to just allow it to evolve with us instead of clinging to to specific practices or to how we think it should be or somebody tells us it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to find out um what you're learning right now and what's next for you and not learning in the sense of what you're getting trained in or or at, but more on a spiritual level and what you feel is next for you. Yeah. As much as I'm a nerd for learning, I'm actually not doing any trainings right now, which is, which is good. I I did a lot in the last couple of years, um, which, which was nice to be in those containers I'd say that I'm learning every day from motherhood. It is, you know, one of the it's the one of the hardest things I've ever done, if not the hardest and most rewarding too. I absolutely adore being a mother. I adore being my daughter's mother, um, and it's a continual work in progress. <laughs> Especially, I think they they all have their challenges at different ages, but she's like rolling into three right now, and she's headstrong. And she is curious and she has so many beautiful qualities. I don't want to squash them. 
and I want to keep her safe, but I also need to like regulate myself while she's, <laughs> while she's learning and growing. Cause it's not always super easy. Right. Um, so I'm learning a lot from the experience of that right now. Uh, from that, I'm also learning this deep sense of like consistency that I didn't have in my life before. I feel like she has been my catalyst for that because when you're a mother, you have to show up every single day, even if you feel like crap. And, and yes, you can call in reinforcements or your village if you have one, um, but you don't get to take time off from being a mom. That's, that's who you are and, and, and your role in this little one's life. Um, so that's a huge thing I'm learning right now. And also, you know, I love, I love teaching. It's been something I've done for a long time. But right now I'm doing a lot of interviews like this. And over the last like year or so, I've really been strengthening my throat chakra, um, you know, going beyond teaching and just feeling comfortable, like having conversations that I know will be heard <laughs> by, by people I don't know. Um, I've grown a lot in that way with my own podcast, with my best friend. And, and yeah, having these beautiful conversations like I'm having with you. And I feel like the more... I do this the more, I guess, I don't want to say confident, I guess confident would be it, but just the more I feel even more settled into myself, if that makes sense, um, using my voice in that way. And I think it's important, I think it's important for, for women to use their voices, um, even, or maybe even especially when it's uncomfortable. So I'd say those are two of the major things I'm learning right now. Um, I'm always learning, I think, as like an energy worker, how to like create better boundaries for myself too, and to separate others' energy from my own. And that's been a, a process that I've been been learning about. I'd love to hear how like your process with that and what helps you. I'm definitely curious. <laughs> oh, yes. Um Thank you for, for sharing that motherhood, definitely journey. It gets, <laughs> it gets it's evolving in different ways and ask you to evolve in different ways. Um, the energetic boundaries to me, the biggest thing that helps me, I can tell you that piece is that I realized, um, long ago now that, um, all these things that we're talking about, the trauma the difficulties, the high sensitivity, the um, saying I'm sorry or hiding the anger, all of those I realized are very purposeful to, um, to help you show up where you haven't shown up yet. Mm. And once I realized that, um, I feel like I saved myself from saving people mm. and said I can be there for them while they uh, get more aware of it. And I, I see my role as a healer as that. I, I stand there and I say, just like being with a toddler, <laughs> I make the space safe. And then I help people explore those inner realms Um where these things are hiding because the biggest that's the other thing I learned is the biggest trauma the biggest difficulty leads to the biggest opening um biggest evolution and revolution in that 
person's life. So it's not up to me to take that away from someone. Mm. Does that? Yeah, it does. I I love that answer when you're talking about, you know, these are, these are like what you're meant to face right now. That's what I mean when I'm talking about like full expression. It's like exploring these different parts of yourself that might've been hidden for a long time and probably for protection in some way or another. Um, And then I think when we're in this like quote unquote full expression, we can really be in our own energy and allow other people to be the same. I feel like I have been in a pretty good place as far as that goes that where it gets kind of like interesting I think is uh like before I'll meet with a reading client or a Reiki client or something like that um I will start feeling things that I don't realize always aren't mine so for instance I had a client the other day and I was feeling really anxious and you know, I was going about my business, like momming and, and, and doing my morning routine and stuff. Um, and I was like scrubbing a pan really hard and trying to get the dirt off. And, and that's how I was kind of releasing my anxiety in the moment. Uh, but I didn't think much of it. And later on, after the client session, she was like, wow, I'm so glad I did this. I was so nervous about it. And I was like, really, tell me more about that. And she was anxiously cleaning before the session. So I found that really interesting. And I think that that like kind of taking on really unconsciously of other people's energy, even before being together, was something I just was not aware of for a long time. Uh, but the more like training I've gotten in the intuitive arts, the more I've been able to like understand that that's what's happening. But it's pretty wild, like as a sensitive person, I think, to um, to pick up on that stuff and and to just be like, what's wrong with me? Um but it really is a gift in a way. I create like an energetic bubble around me. I do like energy cleansing and stuff like that to to get into a space where I'm not feeling those things. But yeah, it's definitely kind of a wild thing I hadn't really even thought of before until I started realizing that that was what was happening. So um, I I see what you're what you mean. Um, I pers- I do a lot of energy healing and intuitive readings my practice is very simple um yes I mean you can feel read know all sorts of things (laughs) but I realize that I can open and close that door very consciously I can say okay like I'm about to go into my office we can get started then (laughs) before (laughs) And I also consciously, like if I'm doing like a Turkish coffee reading, which is I I need to go cook the coffee. Um, Like I don't cook it like three hours before I cook it, like 20 minutes before the reading. So then that's more contained. Um, And I know as I'm cooking, I'll be feeling, uh, it's like a tea leaf reading. I'll be feeling, I'll start to feel things. And then uh, I realized that once I set those intentions, I also set the intentions of, May there be an interaction of love uh, and no karma transfers, no distortion transfers. We're just, you know, we're just lovingly here together, creating a reality of love. Um, And then like no energy bleeding before (laughs) and after. (laughs) And I, what I've started, I would do that like over and over and again with every client. And then now I'm like, okay, 
I sit down on my chair. Whatever needs to be set as energetic boundaries, let them be set and then we begin. So it's like once done and forget type of thing. Uh, and that can take trial and error to find the right wording and the right things for you. And I go around that too. And I say to my, um, I what I call soul helpers, soul guides, just set whatever needs to be set as energetic boundaries now. Mm, I <laughs> and, love that. It, delegation is key. <laughs> Please because, do this for me. <laughs> yeah. So you can all, you don't, you know, you um, leave yourself um, off the hook of forgetting something. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Lauren, this was wonderful to chat with you. How can people find out more about you and your your work and your lovely book? Thank you, Damla. It was wonderful to chat with you as well. And I love hearing parts of your story too. Um, you can find me at laurenleduc.com. That's my website. And it points to all of the different things I offer and what I do. Um, on Instagram, I am I am Lauren Leduc. Uh, my book is available wherever books are sold. Um, you can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, maybe at a local bookstore, but you might have to ask them to order it for you. Uh, and I also have a podcast with my best friend Rashida called Your Spiritual Besties. Um, and if you like spiritual content and uh, kind of a casual conversational tone, uh, then you might like listening to that too. So I think that's, that's all the, the ways to find me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And um, I love that for those listening who don't see it, Lauren's cat has been joining us on and off jumping on her lap, which I love. <laughs> she is so funny she's um the biggest lover I've ever met in my life until my daughter came along and they just they compete for my lap and my time <laughs> yeah beautiful thank you so much Lauren yeah thank you Damla thank you so much for tuning in and listening to conversations with healers if this episode spoke to you in any way please leave a review or comment like or love it, and share it with others in your life. This is a true soul love project from my heart to yours. I really appreciate your help in spreading the word. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and check out other episodes to listen to some extraordinary healing stories and advice. Have a beautiful and wonderful day.